Want to know what it takes to restore your life? We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and we lead a team of brilliant story work counselors around the country, all committed to helping you come alive. We call it the Restory Approach. So if you're a story explorer, kingdom seeker, or just a day-to-dayer, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Restory Podcast. So I know you think I'm weird because I have this giant blue blanket and <laughs> you hate it, don't you? Well, it's 50 pounds. <laughs> it's not just large, it's heavy. It's not just large, it's heavy. It's, uh, yeah, it's a giant weighted blanket that I absolutely love. I love sleeping under it. I love sitting on the couch underneath it. I love wrapping myself up in it. And for me, it feels so, so comforting. But for you, it sounds like it feels claustrophobic or something, right? It is, yeah, it makes me feel uh, a little trapped, actually. Yeah, Yeah. trapped? Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, our son feels the same way. He hates it. Mm -hmm. But our daughter, Mm -hmm. she has her own. Yes. So, that is interesting. Yeah, isn't that? So I got this weighted blanket during a season of my own life where it felt like uh, I needed to pursue some some comfort, uh, where just the external world felt a little uh, out of control, and I needed to find some way to calm my body. And um, <laughs> this goes back kind of to a story from my own childhood where... When I was in elementary school, there were, on the playground at the elementary school, there were these big, uh, concrete, round, kind of culvert things. And they were probably like four feet in diameter. Some of them were maybe three feet, eight feet, you know, just these big things that they just put out on the playground and kids would jump on top and climb through and they would make tunnels and all that kind of stuff. Well, there was one that was tipped up on its end and it was maybe, you know, the cylinder was, uh, open to the sky and I remember getting in that and going all the way to the bottom and then my friends the people that I was playing with they would like dogpile on top and I remember feeling so safe and so secure at the bottom of that dogpile I would actually ask them to come pile on top of me at the bottom of this. I was like seven, eight, nine years old when this was happening, right? I would be, uh, and I just, I just loved it. And for some people that would feel terrifying and trapping and claustrophobic, but something in me felt comforted by that. So what is that? (laughs) What was going on in your seven-year-old self and how is that related to your now adult self? And why is that so different from me as an example? For me, I think there was such a longing in my little boy heart to be held and to be enclosed, not trapped, but enclosed, where there would be some level of external containment 
to bring to to me because I felt as a boy in my childhood story, it was all about how I had to bring containment and comfort to other people. I wanted something somewhere else to bring comfort to me. Hmm. And so um, I bring this up because today on the podcast, we want to talk about something that um, in the in the book, How We Love uh, by the Yurkoviches, it's it's a they bring up this concept that they call the deficit of comfort. And it's an important thing for us to reflect on and think about how how were we or weren't we comforted by someone else in our childhood years? And what what did that comfort bring to us or what did the lack of the comfort leave us hungry for? And so when we think about, you know, uh, comfort, it's it's important for us to reflect on this mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the deficit of comfort is, it's important, and they explore this a little bit in the book, um, but they say comforting is not where maybe you're sick and somebody brings you a bowl of soup. Or, you know, they, you're bullied at the playground and you come home and you tell your parent, and then, uh, you know, they, they call the principal and they put an end to whatever it is that, you know, that the, the situation is. That's helpful, and it's nice to have a bowl of soup, or it's nice to have somebody, you know, rub your back if you're, you know, scared or sad or something like that. But there's more to comfort than just a bowl of soup or ending the problem. Comfort is where someone comes alongside of what you're feeling and offers their care, not to the external, but to the internal. Hmm. There's some kind of offer of, this is hard, this is sad. Um, this is scary. This is terrifying. This is angering. This is overwhelming. This is stressful. Whatever that is, somebody comes alongside of you as a child and acknowledges what you're feeling. And, and, and maybe they acknowledge it because you said those words, or maybe you don't even have words for what you're feeling. And that other person, that parent, is offering you comfort in the midst of what you're experiencing. And it's almost like they give you uh, something to hold on to, some, some kind of tether to... Uh, I am feeling uncomfortable or discomforted right now, but you, parent, you, you're strong, you're, you're solid, and I can hold on to you in the midst of my internal turmoil. And so that comforting is what, what comfort is. And those, uh, some people received that significantly when they were kids, uh, and some people didn't. And the reality is that most of us didn't receive enough comforting growing up. Uh, and it leaves this comfort deficit in our lives. And so therefore, if there's a deficit, then we move into how am I going to have to comfort myself? Right. And I think I remember when we had you know, the, the kids were little and there, we had this whole conversation about they're going to need to cry it out or they're going to need to find some way to self-soothe. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to need to hold their blanket or their, you know, stuffed animal or suck on the pacifier, whatever it is, they have to find some way to self-soothe. There is a pursuit inside of all of us to go from discomfort towards comfort. And when we don't have someone externally helping us manage that, we find ways to comfort ourselves, which then, as we grow up, leads into a whole realm of unhelpful ways of Mm self-comfort. So you're saying that, and I'm picturing you know, our firstborn who we did that with and he, he would never, he actually never figured that out. He never sucked his thumb. He wouldn't hold a pacifier. He never had a blankie or a little stuffy, you know, stuffed animal. 
At some point, though, he started twirling his hair. <laughs> yes, he I, did. I forget at what age, but he is 21 years old and still curling his hair. Yes, not to shame our son. Not to shame our son, but there he can name now as a young adult man that it is soothing. It is soothing. And so I guess I'm wondering at what point, you know, when when we discover this as children, you know, we encourage pacifiers to be dropped and thumb sucking to stop Mm -hmm. and we enter into a new realm of seeking comfort Mm -hmm. and finding comfort how does that play into kind of what we do for ourselves and what we need externally from our parents yeah so the you know the pacifier or even the hair twirling or whatever those are you know pretty innocuous things to find comfort in and he still does it and we all still do things that help us find comfort so those are those are great but the things that um, become challenging or difficult is when those very comforting uh, those comforting actions become counterproductive to where now they've become addictive processes and you know he may have an addiction to twirling his hair it doesn't that doesn't matter much but it's when the the addiction goes into um you know all the things we we normally do like Binge watching TV is a way of bringing comfort, uh, drinking, uh, any kind of addiction, um, working out too much, working too much, all those, those places, those are ways for us to mitigate our discomfort. And when we are uncomfortable and we go to a thing or a process rather than to a person, that's where it becomes counterproductive. And so with the kids, when they're young and they have the pacifier, it's helped them find comfort and then at some point they need to bring their discomfort not to the pacifier but to the parent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they need to bring their you know their their fear outside of themselves now that they have language to bring their fear outside of themselves to a parent to someone else to help them process through the you know that stuff and so i just find it fascinating to think about how much of our discomfort moves towards a process, especially into adulthood, uh, that can be counterproductive uh, and now becomes something that it was never designed to be. Mm-hmm. So if someone finds themselves identifying with this mm-hmm. and, and thinking, yeah, I'm, I probably have a comfort deficit, what does that look like and how do they heal? Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, all of us in some level, like I said, have have a comfort deficit because we weren't we weren't raised in the perfection of what God designed for us. And so the fact is that we're we're not raised in Eden, as I've said before. And so therefore, there is some level of deficit of comfort, which a whole other trajectory of conversation we could go down is that is why then God identifies himself as the God of all comfort and why he brings comfort to us and the spirit of comfort the spirit of god is the comforter and so i think we have to grapple with the reality of who god is for us and wants to be for us and yet who we demand other people to be for us instead or other things to be the comforter uh, for us instead and that's just all kind of how again how we were raised so if we find ourselves in uh reflecting on this with yes i did have i do have a deficit of comfort in my story, then I think the first question is going to be, and so what do I, what am I doing with that? Where am I taking that? How am I mitigating my discomfort by seeking some other way to find comfort? 
that's a really hard question uh, and it it calls all things into question it calls in how i am engaging with another person what am i doing with things what am i doing with media what am i doing with my daily life and my daily habits where am i finding comfort and then beginning to backtrack a little bit and in, in which places might i find comfort instead in either a relationship with a trusted person or in uh, my relationship with God himself. And so the, the movement and the healing is moving away from those other things and towards uh, a grounded relationship, which should have been there for us in the beginning, mm -hmm. which should have been part of what we were offered from our parents in the beginning. Mm -hmm. so, so give us one you know, sentence to say to ourselves that would, one prompt that would get us going on that process. In what way am I finding comfort in something other than a relationship or God? All right, friends, thanks for listening. If you haven't left a rating on iTunes, we'd love for you to do that real quick. And here's the thing with our name change. We're trying to offer more cohesion to all the things we do with restoration. We've got counseling and stuff for marriages and dads and moms, and the list goes on and on. One of the ways we started talking about it recently is to rather humorously and affectionately refer to it all as the ReStory Universe. Doesn't that sound interesting? Well, if you want to learn more, just head over to ReStoryUniverse.com to see what we're up to. And we'll see you same time, same place next week.